The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did. What a kick. And the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now, with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house, sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome into the Punt and Pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined as always by my co-host, Aaron Murray. Aaron, week nine is here. We got a big game down in Jacksonville this weekend. And after this weekend, the college football playoff rankings, the first installment of the 2018 CFP rankings will be coming out. So we're going to dive right into it get everybody set up for a big weekend across college football if you want to follow along all weekend make sure to hit us up on social media we are at punt and pass on twitter and instagram aaron is at aaron murray 11 and i am at drew butler 13 we're going to break down all the biggest games we of course are going to give you the davy o'brien award quarterback of the week and the ray guy award punter of the week from week eight And I got to start with this, Aaron. You're heading down to Jacksonville tomorrow. I've told all of our listeners this before. But my man, you are getting inducted into the Georgia-Florida game Hall of Fame. Huge congratulations. You're, You're set for a big and fun weekend, I could imagine. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. Look, at I'm just a little always worried about the weather. You know, know, I'm a Florida guy, so I'm addicted to the weather channel. Always seeing, supposedly there's some little stuff going on in the Gulf. So hopefully that just kind of blows right through midday Friday, most likely, but it's looking like it should be cleared up for Saturday. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Going to get there, uh, probably leave tomorrow afternoon, get Thursday night, get settled in, get my bearings about me, okay. get my mind right, get a couple Expensive cocktails. Expensive dinner. Get the juices beers, flowing. Vodka soda. All, I get it. All, all, all dinners are on Papa Marie this weekend. <laughs> so I'm, I'm getting, I'm eating, I'm eating good. Uh, and then just do some stuff, a little, uh, Little things here and there on Saturday, and then the game on Sunday. So it's going to be a blast. My first time going as a fan, so I can't wait. It should be it should be a great game too. I don't think it's going to be a blowout like we saw last year. I think this is going to be competitive. It should be fun, and hopefully come down to a, a last second field goal kick. You know, that, that's you know what me you want. Teams, that's what you I want. want last, I want Rodrigo to wow. just nail a field goal to end it and uh, run off in glory. That 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 is my. If I had to envision my first game going. That would be it right there. Rodrigo knocking it in with no time remaining. Game over. The dogs will win. Aaron wants 60 minutes of drama in the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. That is still what we call it, of course. Forget the uh, politically correct losers who say we can't call it the world's largest outdoor cocktail party anymore. 
That's what I'm calling it. And Aaron, I'm going down as well. I won't be at the game, but I'm going to go play in Danny Warfel's Desire Cup. Danny Warfel, obviously, national champion, quarterback at Florida Heisman Trophy winner. He has a great golf tournament at TPC Sawgrass Stadium course. It's like a Florida-Georgia Ryder Cup-style tourney. Your boy got invited. I'm going to go hold it down for the dogs. It should be a very fun weekend, but I will be doing the same thing you were doing. Dinners, cocktails, cold beers, golf. All the good stuff, all the good stuff. It's going to be a great weekend in Jacksonville. I haven't been as a fan either, so I guess my streak continues. But getting into Week 9 and storylines surrounding Week 9, a theme that you and I have talked about really entirely throughout the season and even in the preseason is what's happening at Ohio State. And, of course, it was extremely bad before the season started with Zach Smith drama, Urban Meyer firing him, and then Urban Meyer being put on administrative leave. Well, things are only getting worse. And you and I talk about the noise surrounding the program that has nothing to do with football. Ohio State obviously got blasted by Purdue last week, 49-20. to And if you look at ESPN or you go to anywhere you get your sports news, It seems like there's rumors coming out that Meyer's having tension with the athletic director and that Meyer isn't having fun and his health may be deteriorating. And could Urban Meyer really not be the head coach at Ohio State next season? Uh, I think it's a lot of noise. I mean, we talk about the noise. I mean, it started the summer. The Bosa stuff that happened all week this week. I mean, I feel feel bad for that. I feel bad for that locker room right now. I mean, these are still teenagers and early twenties. I mean, they're young, they're dealing with a lot of school football, everything else that goes along with being a student athlete. Now all the media that's just bashing your program. I mean, you got Paul Feinbaum I mean, like wanting to fight yeah, Urban Meyer. Just crushing him. <laughs> I don't, it's, listen, you never know. I wouldn't put it past Urban with all this stuff going on. It could be a good excuse for them to move on as a program. I mean, just, Hey, listen, you're not looking great or I'm not feeling great. It's, you know, maybe we didn't make the right decision letting you come back. Maybe we should just cut ties, which I think everyone agrees he, they should just cut ties initially. Maybe this is going to be the scapegoat. Hey, he's, he's leaving for health, health reasons. And this kind of lets everyone off the hook at the end of the day. So I don't know. I, listen, I think if they keep, if they win and they went out and they beat Michigan and they win their conference and they're in, the playoffs, then I think all that noise will start to simmer down a little bit. Don't get it twisted, though. I mentioned before the season started, the reason that Ohio State did not fire Urban Meyer is because they didn't have anybody to replace him. They fired Jim Trestle for way less because Urban Meyer was on ESPN. They knew they could go hire him to be the head coach at Ohio State. Now you don't know who could replace him, especially with the expectations that they have year in and year out at Ohio State. But sportsbooks, online sportsbooks now have gambling odds on who is going to be Ohio State's coach next spring. It's crazy, and the leading name is Matt Campbell from Iowa State. Could you see that happening? Would they go to Iowa State, the team that knocks off a top 10 heavyweight every single season but really has yet to put together that 8-9-10 win campaign that usually puts you up for jobs like Ohio State? Uh I mean, you would think with Ohio State, they're going to have the first pick. So, I mean, we have to wait and see what happens at the end of this year. We're going to have to see, you know, there's always going to be someone getting fired, some big name, or someone wanting to move here there. So, uh, I think it's still early to see. And, and like I said, I, I still want to see how the season plays off. I mean, this is still a very good Ohio State team. Yes. I mean, they had a big loss. It sucked. They lost to Purdue on the road. Nothing worked for them. But 
everything that they want still in front of them. So let's, 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 I think let's just push away the, the, the noise right now, push away all this talk and just wait and see what happens. Cause I can say if they lose to Michigan, they don't make their, what you think is going to happen. I think it can happen. I think the way Michigan's playing right now, you can't tell me them defensively, Shea Patterson, what they're doing offensively each and every week, getting better. Beginning of the year, I would say Ohio State looks like they blow everyone out. Now, the past few weeks, Ohio State has not looked great. Obviously, they they two close games and the loss. Michigan, like I said, is building some steam right now. There is a chance Michigan wins that football game. Then I think that's when you start to see what direction is this program going to head in for Ohio State. So until that happens, and we know they're out of the they're, they're out of the playoffs. Um, I, I think Urban's going to be the coach next year. I would think so, too. I mean, it, it is crazy. I, I can't remember any team, really, that's had to deal with this type of distraction, not on the football field, through, I mean, let's just call it 12 weeks, three weeks before the season started, and now we're heading into week nine. It just hasn't stopped. Nick Bosa, their best player, now out of school. They just got drubbed by 29 points to Purdue. And uh, they've got to get the train back on the tracks. And I think Urban Meyer just relatively owns Jim Harbaugh. Ohio State probably going to be favored in the big game later on this season. But we will certainly keep tabs on this storyline as it develops. All right. We just mentioned how Purdue blasted Ohio State. I will love saying that. Purdue killed Ohio State last week. Number two Ohio State, 49-20. to And I believe somebody got a big-time honor for that exact performance. Tell us about it, Aaron. Yeah, I mean, what a game. He, it was tough. I mean, there was a lot of great quarterback play this week, but the Davey O'Brien Award for best quarterback for week eight, David Blau from Purdue, not only did he have a great game, but he had a great game against the number two team in the nation, Ohio State, and they just put a waxing, a whooping, dominated 49-20. He was 25-43, 378, three touchdowns, and a big goose egg zero in turnovers i mean that that's an unbelievable game that's how you get your t- team to have one of the biggest upsets of the year have a performance like that congratulations my friend you are the quarterback of the week absolutely big congratulations to david blau the davy o'brien award quarterback of the week for week eight for that awesome performance in a 49 to 20 win over number two ohio state after we tell you who the quarterback of the week is. We got to tell you who the Ray Guy Award punter of the week is for week eight. And this week, week eight's Ray Guy Award punter of the week is Giannis Routsis from Texas San Oh, I thought it was going to be one of my quarterbacks. No. I thought it was going to be one of my quick kick quarterbacks from my game. Listen to this. I've done my research. I've done my research, Aaron. Giannis Routsis from UTSA, Texas San Antonio, is a cultural icon last week he had nine punts for 426 yards that is a 47.3 yard per punt average even better a 48.1 yard net average he had six punts inside the 23 of those were inside the 10 he had five punts over 50 yards and a long of 58 but i go to his twitter and i gotta shout him out here his twitter is at yanni deboot 39 this dude's a legend. He is a cultural icon. He had a huge week eight for Texas San Antonio. He's on all sorts of award semifinalists and finalist lists. So congratulations, Giannis Routsis, the Ray Guy Award punter of the week for week eight. He's a cultural icon. What can I say? Giannis DeBoot, 39. Follow him on Twitter. Congrats, my man. We will be watching you for 
the rest of the season. You know who else is an icon? Who's that? I'm just I'm just reading some news right now, and this just popped up. See, do you see Chad Kelly? Yes, quarterback. Wow. So he's he's he has now been kicked off a high school team, a college team, and an NFL football team. That's the that's trifecta. The, that's the triple trifecta. crown. That's it. Triple crown. He hit for the cycle. <laughs> that is impressive. And he is the um, the nephew of Jim Kelly, I believe. Yes, NFL and Jim Kelly vouched Jim for him, Kelly. and that's why the the Broncos picked him. I mean, obviously he's a good quarterback, but it helps when your uncle, you know, vouches for you that hey, you're not going to have all the off the field issues. But holy smokes, did he have some issues? I think it was two nights ago, yeah. I believe. Yeah, he just walked into some random house and sat next on a couch next to a lady and her baby, just. Wow. <laughs> if that just, happened, just I mean, not I could, sober. Yeah, not that sober is, at all. Uh, that is not impressive. I, impressive is certainly the wrong word, but <laughs> wow. That is, uh, oh. it's, it's unique to say the least. Thankfully, nobody got hurt in that situation. But Chad Kelly, hit for the trifecta, kicked off the Broncos. The NFL is the ultimate meritocracy, Aaron. It doesn't matter who you are, what you do. If you're good at football, you will have a job. It's crazy. All right, let's break down week nine games. And we before we get into the breakdown, I went four and one last week in my picks. Aaron, you went two and three. That brings me to a tally of 23 and 18 through eight weeks. You are at 18 and 23. We've got a lot of games here that we're going to pick. Most importantly, because it's the biggest game in the nation this week, it's the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Number nine, Florida, heading to Jacksonville, a neutral site game to take on number seven, Georgia. This game, of course, is at 3.30 p.m. It's the SEC on CBS game. Georgia is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under is 52. And, man, Florida is probably one of the two or three hottest teams in the nation right now. Safe to say they're probably more confident than Georgia heading into this weekend. Yeah, I think more confident, and, and as of right now, we don't know what's happened these past two weeks for Georgia and the quarterback situation. Do they have a plan going forward? At least Florida has a quarterback, good or not. I mean, we're going to find out yeah. this week, but he's played exceptionally well this season compared you know, to what he did last year. I'm not saying compared to the rest of the SEC quarterbacks or compared to the rest of the nation. Felipe has played significantly better than what we saw of him in 2017, and I don't see him – you know, having that three interception type game, is he going to have his game, his career? I don't think so. This is a tough environment. It's a tough defense in Georgia, but at least, like I said, at least the Florida Gators know who their quarterback is, that there's a plan. It's set. He's playing better. And, and like I said, I don't know what's happened these past two weeks in, in practice with Georgia. I, we're going to find out, I think pretty early on what the game plan is for Justin Fields and Jake Fromm. Is it going to be, Fromm's our guy for the entire game. Is it going to be Fields is going to come in every third or fourth series? Is it going to be third downs? Is it going to be red zones? Like I said, we're going to know in that first quarter, and I think that is a sigh of relief for the Bulldog Nation. I think it's a breathing room for the football team, especially the offense, because now they can rally around a plan. They know the plan, and let's go forward and have some fun and kick some butt. So I think it's going to be a great game. Um, are we picking? Are we picking scores yet? Or are we just talking? Let, let, we yeah, doing? let's dive into it a little bit. Let me get a nice little rebuttal here. There's no question that Florida is a good football team. I, I would not tell you, sit here and tell you that Florida is not good or that they are overrated. 
They've got the wins to prove it, and they've been playing well enough over the past few weeks to deserve a top 10 ranking despite their loss to Kentucky. But I think what this comes down to is Georgia's a better football team. Did they have a bad look at LSU getting beaten by 20? Yes, of course they did. But for whatever reason, in Baton Rouge, Georgia abandoned what they are known for. They abandoned the run game. They abandoned any sort of consistency and play calling on offense. They abandoned just getting the job done on special teams. They had a horrible game on special teams. And I think that this weekend in Jacksonville, Georgia gets back to what they do best. Aaron, I would be totally fine if the first three series of the game Run, 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 even if it's a three and out. Next series, run, run, run. What would they do last year? They they only they only threw the ball what seven times last year. This was the game that from this is the game that from threw it seven times. I mean, they they committed to the run, they protected their quarterback, and they won the time of possession. They won the ground game, won the line of scrimmage. I think that's for both teams. I mean, you want to look at this game. I think whatever team can dominate the line of scrimmage, and and for Florida, the big question mark was their offensive line. That offensive line get better season in the pass game and the run game. Uh, they've definitely made some strides. I think they're just under 200 yards rushing for the season. So I think the team, which is, I think in a lot of sec football, but I think that especially this week, the team that has the most rushing yards, the highest yards per carry, I think is a team that's going to win this game. I think it's rushing and I think it's turnovers. Yeah. Neither. Team I, I think really those has are the, the two, those are the two, the two big stats that I'm going to be looking at for this football game. That's because those are two you know, stats. I love that. I, I Felipe, you got to protect Felipe, Felipe. And I still think from, I would take from over Felipe Franks, but you know, I still like protecting, I still like protecting Jake from with the run game. I think our guys are dominant up front. I like the running backs. I like Swift. I like Holyfield. I like the way they produce so far, especially the last game. It looks like Swift is really healthy right now. So for both teams, line of scrimmage, that's where me, my eyes are who can win it, who can dominate this game, time of possessions, and obviously turnovers are key and any kind of momentum shift in a rivalry game, an interception, a fumble, something like that, a block punt, block field goal. Those are what get the tide turn. And like I said, these type of these type of rivalry football games. Yeah, you're totally right. Neither team is really built how they were normally built where it was spread them out, you know, get to the perimeter, then cut it up field, get some guys open in space and let them run, get some yards after the catch. Now it's ground and pound. You just said it, man. This one's going to come down to who wins in the trenches. I would give Georgia a big-time advantage on the offensive line. Florida's probably playing better right now from a defensive line standpoint, mainly because of being healthy. But Georgia's got better running backs than Florida. There's no doubt about that. When this game comes down to it, if he's given the opportunity, you've got to trust Jake Fromm more than Felipe Franks, just based off what he was able to do last year. We're still sleeping on Felipe. Felipe is 15 touchdowns. He has had a good year. I mean, his statistics are actually better than His stats are really good. They are. So, I mean, I know we just, everyone thinks of Felipe and they think of Felipe from last season, but... Dan Mullen is the quarterback whisperer. I, I've said it since, I don't know, for the last five years. I mean, you put Dan Mullen with any quarterback, they're going to get better. I mean, I, I may have to go see Dan this offseason and go work <laughs> on some stuff. You know, he knows what he's doing with quarterbacks everywhere he goes. And look at Fitzgerald this year. Look at him. Yeah, he's awful. He can't, throw, in the sauce. He, can't, he can't throw a football. And you can't tell me that, I mean, it, he, it's not like he could throw that well last year, but I mean, it was a lot better than what we're seeing so far this season. 
I think the coaching difference is, is what we're seeing for him right now as a quarterback and then reverse it. Felipe, his progress this year, you got to give a lot of credit to Dan Mullen, his mentorship, his understanding. I think too, of like the strengths and weaknesses. I mean, he's not putting Frank's in terrible situations, play calling schemes. He's keeping it simple. A lot of the same plays, just putting lipstick on the pig with motion shifts, different formations. So the reads are easy. Uh, and he's going there, and he's, he's excelling for the majority of the season right now. All right, so tell me what your X factor is. I know you said this one's coming down to the rushing game on both sides of the ball and turnovers. What is the X factor that's going to determine who wins this football game? I, I guess it, it's yards per carry. Who has the highest yards like per that. carry in this football game? Like that, that. That's it right there. Look at that stat. If you're able to get four or five yards get a third and manageable. Like we said, Felipe Franks is better because they haven't been behind the sticks as much. They're in in third and manageable situations, second and short, easy throws for him. He's not having to stretch the football field, force balls in the tight coverage. And the same thing with from, I think from plays better. Obviously when the run game's going, he does a great job in the play action. So you need the run game to get its gets going a little bit in order to do the play action. So, I think that's the biggest thing. Yards per carry, not just rushing, not attempts. Because yeah. you can have 100 attempts and average two yards per carry, and it's still third, six, third, and seven every time. Yards per carry, get this to third and one, third and two every single time. And I think that's a team that's going to have success. Well, I should have said my X factor first because you just took it right out of my mouth, but I'll pivot and I'm going to go with tackles for loss. And it's pretty much the same exact thing as you just said, Aaron, the team that gets behind the sticks on third down is in for a long day. If Georgia or Florida can just commit to running the football, getting into third and manageable or third and short, move the chains, get in field goal range, and then put points on the board instead of running some stupid, stupid fake field goal. Georgia will be just fine. And I think Georgia has the better run game. They will have more yards per carry. I like Georgia's defense as a whole. I like their secondary. They're playing really well right now. The defensive line needs to tighten up this week. They're going to get challenged by Florida's run game. I like Georgia here. Again, I just think Georgia is a better team. I do think Florida is a good team. Do not get it twisted. But this one is one of those 60-minute fights, and Georgia is more experienced in these types of games. I think Kirby gets his second win in Jacksonville, and I think they win by about 10 points. I said 31-21, to Georgia wins the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Lay the six and a half. Lay the six and a half is what I'm saying. I think it's closer. I think this is a three to five point game. I think it's going to come down to the fourth quarter. Like I said, it's not going to be a high-scoring game, I think, because I think both teams realize the importance of running the football, establishing the run game, protecting their quarterbacks. So I, I And I like both defenses. I think both defenses are playing really well. Todd Grantham's definitely going to have something up his sleeve. So I think it's a close game. I think the dogs, I do believe they still are a better football team. The roster's better. They're deeper. They're more talented. So, But, but the Gators are more confident right now. They're coming off. They beat LSU. Georgia lost LSU, so I think that locker room saying, hey, look what happened yeah. when we both played LSU. They got waxed, and we won that football game. I think you use that as motivation during the week as well. So I don't think I don't think the Gators are intimidated. Uh, so I think that's how they make this a close one, but I think Georgia still wins it. I think Georgia wins. So Aaron Murray says Georgia wins, but they don't cover the six and a half. It'll be a close hey, game. Hey, by the way, by the way, Drew, what? make sure when you post this, that you put, you know, Aaron picks the dogs, just <laughs> yes. not the cover. Hey, know? well, I mean, Jeez. look, P- 
People got to understand, we're sitting here picking lines, people. Aaron says the dogs are going to win. So do I. I say by double digits and again. Kirby Smart owns Dan Mullen. Aaron, you'll say Dan Mullen was at Mississippi State last year. It doesn't matter. When he was the defensive coordinator at Alabama, Dan Mullen hardly did anything against Alabama. They averaged like 7.5 points per game. They had three against Georgia last year with Kirby being the head coach. That is a coaching advantage right there, and those stats don't lie. Georgia wins by double digits, 31-21. to Let's pick the rest of the games for this week, Aaron. Number 18, Iowa, is going to number 17, Penn State. This game's at 3.30 p.m. on ESPN. Penn State is a a 6.5-point favorite, and Penn State not looking too good right now. On the flip side, Iowa and quarterback Nate Stanley. If Hawkeyes have a quarterback, they could be a sneaky, sneaky team to watch in the Big Ten. Yeah, it's all about the quarterback position. It's funny, every time we talk about teams, it's it's how's their quarterback playing? What's, What's it looking like? And right now... Nate Stanley's playing great football. He really is. I mean, he's doing a great job. It's, it's going to be tough, though. It really is right now. And you talk about confidence right now at that position goes a long way than Penn State. I just don't think they're very confident. The last two times they've been at home, they've lost. They lost to Ohio State. They lost to, I'm drawing a blank right now, two games ago, um, Michigan State. They lost Michigan to Michigan State. State. And then they almost lost last week to Indiana. So, I think that team put all their eggs in one basket. It was the game against Ohio State. We're going to make our mark. It's the whiteout. Everyone's excited. National TV, game day, all that great stuff. They played better for the majority of the game, but Ohio State just dominated that second half, the fourth quarter, squeaked it out, got the win. Like I said, I think all the energy for that team was put into that football game, and then they've just been deflated ever since. Like I said, lost a tough game to Mississippi State or Michigan State. And then had a close one to Indiana. So I like Iowa right now. They're they're rolling. They're six right now, three and one in the Big Ten. Their hopes are still high, like you said, to make some noise in that conference. So uh, I'm picking Iowa. And I don't even know if you can call it an upset. I don't know what the point what's the point spread. So yeah, yeah I'm picking State, Iowa to win. So I I like that too, Aaron. You gotta go with the hot hand at quarterback right now and the hot hand it as a team I mean Iowa going to be focused on the road this game usually comes down to a field goal historically but I'm with the Hawkeyes right now give me the six and a half points please I think they win outright well, Aaron and I are on the same side on that one go ahead yeah and, and, and Trace McSorley he just love him as a football player love him as a competitor this is the moment where he grabs his team his senior year and it's 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 how he pushes him that's how sure. he pushed him in practice this week it's it's his voice in the locker room that's going to make the difference for this football team. Because like I said, they're reeling right now. You, know, you need not the coaches to get angry, not the coaches to yell and scream and motivate. You need McSorley. You need the leader of your football team to step up, take control and lead this team the rest of the year. So we're going to see what he does as a leader right now. And if he can get them going, especially on the road or not on the road, but at home, but I think we're both in agreement. Iowa, um, they're too hot right now. They have the confidence going forward. Absolutely. And, and just what a joke. College football needs to figure this out. There's three top 25 matchups this weekend, and two of them are on at the same time. That that cannot continue to happen. It's just ridiculous. Another top 25 matchup, though, Aaron, number 14, Washington State, who dismantled Oregon a week ago, heading to Palo Alto. They're taking on number 24, Stanford. This game's at 7 p.m. on the Pac-12 network. Stanford's a home favorite here, minus three points. So Vegas says this one's an even matchup. I know 
your boy with the mustache, his name Minshew, Minshew. baby. Minshew. Get the mustaches out. There you go. Keep the mustache I'm, I'm out. Be, and Mike I'm Leach, be Gardner I mean, Minshew for Halloween right next week. There I want to be go. Gardner Minshew for Halloween. I'm gonna get the stash out. My dogs are gonna freak out. They're like, what is Daddy <laughs> wearing on his face? Who do you like here? I mean, you got to go Mike Leach, Minshew. They're spreading it out. You got to go. Points. You know, I mean, it's 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 you know, I love the offense. I mean, spread them out, let it roll, have some fun, throw it 50, 60 times a game right now. And then what's Stanford's identity? It's the football. And right now they're averaging 91 yards per game rushing. 91. I mean, that, not, that's, that's not, not going to cut it. It's not Bryce Love. That's not going to win you the game. I mean, their identity right now. It, it's not working, and, and I don't think they have the skill on the outside to dominate. I don't even know if they have enough DBs to match up with Washington. I mean, Washington State, they got four or five really good receivers. They're running back out of, the back out of the backfield. Williams is doing a great job as well, catching, making guys miss. So I like I like Washington State. I think they are confident after the win versus Oregon. I know it was a lot, and, and – Luckily, this is a what seven o'clock game, yes. so maybe they got you know some more time to relax and and get their minds right. Um, but I like Washington. I think they're a better football team right now. Stanford has just not been the Stanford that we've known and loved these past few years. Well, Stanford is a favorite for a reason. I know they're the home team. Aaron, you're obviously taking the point saying Washington State's going to win, but Vegas does these things for a reason. I do like Stanford. Don't forget, they found out a way to win that game at. Oregon. They're not an incompetent team. I know they haven't been running the ball as well as they would like to, but at home, night game, like you said, I like the Cardinal here. They need this victory to, to continue their hopes of winning the Pac-12 North, and if they beat Washington State, they still control their own destiny. So give me Stanford. Lay the points. They're going to win this thing by more than three, and the Pac-12 North will continue to get more and more interesting as the season goes on. Clemson, Number two, Clemson, maybe, again, one of the hottest teams in the nation. They're going to Florida State. This game usually is a huge matchup in the ACC, but Florida State, man, struggle, bus, city. They're 4-3. and three. Clemson's laying 16.5. Any way Florida State can keep this close? No, 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 no. I think the only team in my mind that was going to give you know Clemson maybe a scare, obviously Syracuse gave him a little bit scare earlier in the season when Lawrence went down. But I thought NC State last week with Finley, his ability to stretch the field vertically in the past game, that was going to give Clemson some trouble. Just look at their pass. I mean, look what Texas A&M did throwing the football. So, I mean, they took care of NC State. They looked great on the offensive side of the football. They looked even better defensively. I mean, they really dominated. So I think Clemson's going to do the same thing again. It's an FSU team that's getting better offensively. I mean, I think they're picking up what Willie Taggart wants. Uh, his scheme, Francois is, is progressing, but still – they just can't match up with Clemson. I think there's too much firepower on offense. Uh, this is a, a, a good defense for FSU, so they could, you know, they're not going to get scored on every possession. But I think Clemson's defense is just going to gobble up Florida State's offense. I, I really do. I see them dominating this game, uh, and then give me the points for it as well. I love it. Lay the points. Lay the 16.5. Clemson is going to smoke Florida State in Tallahassee. DeAndre Francois will not have a chance against their front four. I know Florida State's been playing a little bit better in the previous weeks, but not against Clemson. Trevor Lawrence is rolling as well. Etienne, the running back, is on a hot streak. These guys will put up 50-plus. The over-under is 51 here. Clemson's probably going to do that on their own. Believe me when I say that. Lay the 16 and a half Clemson gets 
a big-time win. Not big-time, just continues to win. Big for them. All right, one of my favorite games of the weekend, Aaron. Number three, Notre Dame. This is going to be a blowout. <laughs> you are sadly mistaken. Number you three, Notre Dame. And Navy are teeing off in San Diego. It's a neutral site game. This game's at 8 p.m. on NBC. And Notre Dame, of course, they're a 23-and-a-half-point favorite. I think they were a 24-point favorite against Pitt, and they almost lost the game. Navy obviously runs the triple option. I like Navy with the points. Notre Dame squeaks out of victory. I don't think squeaks out of victory. I just think, and we know it, when you play a triple option team, you get less possessions on offense. I mean, you can cut your possessions down by two or three in that game, less opportunity for scoring. So I do think the 24 points is a little high looking at that right now. I mean, the good news for Notre Dame is they've had two weeks to prepare. If you have one week to prepare for the triple option, it's tough. It's tough to simulate it because you're going against scout team players in practice. These guys don't know how to run the offense the same way Navy does, the same way Georgia Tech does or Air Force Say, and they're not as skilled that the cut block reading the option. So you're not getting a really true look, you know, for that week or two weeks leading up to the football game, but still they've had plenty of time to watch the film, figure out the tendencies. It's not like Navy right now is dominating. They're two and five on the season. I think Notre Dame had their big scare versus pay. I think they regrouped after the bye week and uh, I like them. I like Notre Dame in this game, but like I said, I don't love the, the 24 points just because they're going to lose two or three possessions based on the fact that Navy's going to eat up that clock. They're going to eat up the clock. You just said it. They're going to limit Notre Dame's possessions on the offensive side of the ball. It is a long trip for them. I mean, they are both crossing the country, going to be playing in San Diego. San Diego obviously has a huge naval population there at Coronado. So I like the home field advantage for the midshipmen. I like the the uh, country, the honor that Navy will have this weekend. And, man, it would be great if there was an upset brewing. But I think Notre Dame pulls this one out. Aaron and I are both taking the 23.5 points, however. It'll be tough for Notre Dame to cover that. All right, let's finish this up with some quick analysis inside the SEC. An interesting line. There's two very interesting lines here, Aaron, and I want your picks on both. Number 16, Texas A&M is going to Mississippi State. This game's at 7 p.m. on ESPN. Mississippi State's been playing awful, yet they're a favorite here. They are two-and-a-half-point favorite at huh. home. So Vegas says they're a half-point better than Texas A&M. Do you believe that, or is this line just flat wrong? No, and it's and, and what we've seen from Texas A&M this year is, is better defense. And then once again, I just don't see Nick Fitzgerald dominating this game. I don't think he can. I mean, yeah. yes, he had some moments of running the ball versus LSU, but – Anytime he set back to throw the ball, I'm like, he's going to throw a pick. He's going to throw a pick. He's going to throw a pick. And what do you know he did? And this isn't a soft A&M football team. This is a tough nose, uh, good defense. And plus they've had a week to prepare. I mean, they've had the bye week to relax, to get healthy, to watch the film, to understand what Mississippi State doing from an offensive standpoint. When you look at the quarterback runs, the draws, the powers, the sweeps, all that stuff, the zone reads. So they're going to have a plan set for this Mississippi State offense. I do like Mississippi State's defense, though. I think they've played extremely well this season, but I still think the frustration is going to set in. I think they're going to continue. They're going to look over, see their offense struggling. I think they're going to get pissed off. I think they're going to get discouraged, and I think that's when A&M really punches them in the throat offensively and steps it up that second half with Kellen Mond and the weapons he has. So I like A&M to win this game. I think it's a, it's a better football team. 
And I'm still waiting to see, are they going to bench Fitzgerald? When is it going to happen? Because if he played like he did versus LSU, throwing picks left and right, you just you can't Four keep picks. him in the football game. You can't do it. You got to get him as a head coach. Put in the next guy and see if he can throw the football. You, you mentioned AM coming off the bye week, and I asked you if this line was wrong. I do think the bookmakers in Las Vegas have this line wrong. AM's going to win this game outright. Kellen Mond, their offense, their defense will frustrate Nick Fitzgerald. I just think with the extra week to prepare, they will figure out a way to get the ball in the end zone, get ahead of Mississippi State, force the game into Nick Fitzgerald's hands, and then the Bulldogs of Mississippi State will have a lot of trouble. So Aaron and I are both on the same side there. We'll gladly take the two and a half points. A&M beats Mississippi State. A line that I think Vegas has right that you may think Vegas has wrong. Number 12, Kentucky, is traveling to Missouri. And guess what? Missouri is a touchdown favorite. Unranked Missouri is a touchdown favorite against the number 12 team in the nation, the Kentucky Wildcats. I wonder if this has anything to do with Drew Locke and that offense finding their groove against Memphis a week ago and putting up 64 points. Yeah, but Memphis's defense is just poo-poo. So I, I, I think everyone was expecting a big show out from both offenses last week when, when Missouri played Memphis. So I, I think it's more the fact that Kentucky only won 14-7. I think it has nothing to do with Missouri versus Memphis and everything to do with Kentucky not being able to put points up against Vandy and, and at home too. I think that's what the book and Vandy is not this game. good. No. And Vandy's not good. So that's, I think that's the, the thing right there, but I, I still like Kentucky's defense. I like their corners, uh, their defensive line. I, I think they are going to be able to get after drew lock. I think they're going to dominate the run game. I think Benny Snell, it's time to get Benny Snell going again. I mean, he it just, the Heisman talk was just all about him. What two or three weeks ago, everyone was jumping on him, had a couple rough games, and uh, he's kind of disappeared. So I think he's ready to pop his head back out, say hello to the world once again. And I guess you can say get the upset, even though they're the number 12 team in the nation facing an unranked team. So I got Kentucky uh, covering here. All right. Aaron takes the points, likes Kentucky to beat Missouri. Kirby Smart, every team that's played Missouri so far this year have said after the game, wow, people don't give Missouri enough credit. They are physical in the trenches. And guess what? Against Kentucky, if you're physical in the trenches and stop Benny Snell Jr. and put the game into Terry Wilson's hands, you will have an advantage there. I think Mizzou puts points on Kentucky's defense, stops Benny Snell, puts the game into Terry Wilson's hands, and they win. And they win the football game. And that way, if Georgia beats Florida, like I'm predicting, and if Georgia beats Kentucky next week, as I probably will predict, Georgia will be the SEC East champs after next weekend as soon as Kentucky loses this weekend against Missouri. So I'll lay the seven. I'll lay the seven. There you go. Mizzou wins. Last game of the week. Let's we'll pick this one quickly. Tennessee going to South Carolina. South Carolina is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. This is a night game on SEC Network. Any way Tennessee can beat a top 25 Auburn team obviously then gets smacked by Alabama, but then come back and beat South Carolina. Tough game. I want to say it is a tough game. I it's thought it'd be a closer game. line, but it's a night game. South Carolina. Yeah, Jake Bentley's got to figure Carolina, it out. Uh, I, I think I got South Carolina right now. I got them covering. I'm still, I mean, listen, Tennessee had the one really good game versus Auburn, but that's kind of, yep. you know, that's, that's Auburn right now. I mean, what, who, who is Auburn? What's our identity? 
I don't know. I think I think I like Bentley. Um, hopefully, to step up the second half of the season. I believe they're coming off a bye right now in South Carolina. So I think that was a question mark for that football team: is where is who is Jake Bentley? What is it? What is he doing this season? And it doesn't look great for the first six games. So I think that bye week hopefully got them reset offensively. And uh, I like South Carolina at home. I think the energy is going to be there. Like I said, coming off the bye, and you look at Tennessee just getting blown away by Alabama last year. Yeah. And I think whatever I've, I've heard some crazy stats in the past about teams after they play Alabama, yes, the, Alabama the next week, absolutely just being just completely defeated. So you got to like South Carolina at home at this game coming off a bye rather than playing Alabama. Uh, go Cox. <laughs> Go Cox there, it says, but I agree with you here. The Alabama hangover is one thing. Another thing is Will Muschamp's historical success against Tennessee. Night game in Columbia. Tennessee coming off the Alabama hangover. South Carolina having the bye week behind them, well-rested. I will lay the 7.5 as well. Aaron, we will end with an agreement. And that will wrap up our Week 9 preview. You, my man, have a big weekend ahead. Again, big-time congratulations being inducted into the Georgia-Florida Game Hall of Fame with Boss Bailey as the other Georgia inductee. And then I believe it's Alex Brown and Percy Harvin from Florida. Percy Harvin. Nice star-studded class down there. Have fun with those guys. Tell them to listen and subscribe and rate and review to Punt and Pass. Yeah, have fun golf and make sure you don't hit any cars on their (laughs) You know, (laughs) that's an inside (laughs) joke, but it's very true. And I will not. I will probably make a hole-in-one on 17 at the stadium course, TPC Sawgrass. It'll be my first hole-in-one ever. I will jump into the lake, and I will Instagram live it, ruin my phone, but everybody will be able to enjoy it with Atta me. boy. Absolutely. Anything on the way out, my man? No, man. It's going to be a fun weekend. Like I said, two top 10 teams in Jacksonville. I mean, you can't have written the script any better for an exciting weekend in Jacksonville. So everyone traveling down, have fun. And uh, let the party begin. No doubt. Well said, my man. Travel safe. Uh, For Aaron, he is at AaronMurray11 on Twitter and Instagram. I am at DrewButler13. And this has been Punt and Pass at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. We will talk to you on Monday. Have a great weekend. See you.